Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Molecule. Go to molecule.com and get 10% off your first air purifier using the promo code Apple Insider. And we're brought to you by Headspace. Go to headspace.com slash Apple Insider and get a free one month trial. And Smart Asset. Get a free personalized retirement planning report at smartasset.com slash Apple Insider. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and joining me is my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How you doing, William? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. I hope you are too. Doing well. In case you didn't know, William, hmm. Apple sold some phones and made some money last quarter. Well, frankly, yes, I do know. And I am a little bit shocked that they didn't personally call me out in their earnings call to thank me for all the money I've contributed mm. to this amount. Yeah, we all contributed in 2020 yes. uh, in various ways and various devices. So uh, Apple had a record-breaking, record-high quarter. They call it their holiday quarter, quarter one, but it was a $111.4 billion in revenue. That's a 21% year-over-year increase. And a couple things of note that I thought was interesting, you know, earnings calls, you're not going to get any kind of product announcements or any kind of, you know, rumors or anything like that. But I do think it was very interesting that there was a 41% increase year-over-year in iPad sales. So iPads are apparently doing very well in that holiday quarter sales, maybe the iPad Air has something to do with it, maybe different sales, maybe they're working from home and the pandemic and all that, but iPad sales were up and Apple has passed 1.65 billion active devices around the world and iPhone grew as well, just like the iPad grew 17%. And one last figure, Apple shipped over 90 million iPhones in this past quarter and it ousted Samsung as the world's top smartphone vendor with that amount of phone shipping. So pretty wild quarter. And you were covering it live. I mean, was it kind of a flurry of stuff? I actually said some of the shows I thought it was the most interesting uh, earnings call in ages because yeah, usually I have a problem with all the figures. Apple releases the figures just before they do the call and you look at these columns and Apple earns so much money that you look at these spreadsheets, you have to keep checking, is this column in thousands or millions or now billions? And I'm so scared <laughs> getting the maths wrong but then this seemed to be all news like the massive improvement in apple's fortunes in china which i don't think anybody saw coming i mean i'm right pro ipad so i was delighted by that one it's that last one you said that really uh threw me uh, samsung not being the top one anymore you think just by volume the idea is and there are billions of androids of phones and not so many iphones uh, and yet now there it's more even it's um it's a changing world isn't it yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, these numbers are just so astronomical. But most companies do not make that revenue annually, mm. you know, or ever. Yes. <laughs> but $114 billion. This was the first time their revenue went over the $100 billion mark. So just an insane amount of money. And like what you were saying, China actually increased, I think what it was like 57% increase of sales in China or something like that. Yeah. It is 57%. And I'm always a bit wary about that. Whenever somebody just tells you a percentage, uh, usually they're trying to hide something. Right. Uh, here in the UK, it's very common here on the news. It's something like, you know, knife crime is up 10% in the last year. And what they mean is there was one two years ago and there were two this year. But it sounds more like this as yeah. this stuff. Uh, so the 57%, I think Apple was starting from a lower base than it has in years. But still, two years ago, uh, China looked like it was really dead for Apple and now uh, it's vibrant again and alive so they they made some really strong clever long-term moves that worked out or so far are working out brilliantly yes and and their services revenue was also at an all-time high which with the launch of fitness plus they're trying to focus on Apple TV plus content you know they're trying to make that services push and it looks like they're doing it also the Apple one services bundle that people who are paying for one or two services like Apple music and such probably hopped on that bundle so services also doing well so incredible quarter for 
Apple and just shows that even amidst this pandemic, man, they are, again, one of the few companies, I guess, you know, Tesla and Amazon notwithstanding, but one of the few companies that make this kind of money increase their year over year, even amidst a pandemic. It's just wild to even think about. Doesn't Tesla surprise you, though? Because I mean, with Amazon, yes, we're all using Amazon to get what we can't go out for, particularly in lockdown here in the UK. Right. Uh, but I, nobody needs to drive anywhere at the moment. So how is Tesla doing so well? I mean, good for them, but surprised more by that. Yeah. And also, I, I didn't have this in our, in our notes to even talk about. I don't know if you saw that GameStop, which is, yes. I think it's an American video game store. You know, it went from like $38 a share to 380 something. So a 10x increase in the past like six or seven days. And bizarre because it looks like basically a bunch of, I don't know, random people on Reddit and other places are kind of like gaming the Wall Street system and, yes. you know, focusing, you know, trying to play these games with stocks and where they're investing almost as like a thumbing their nose at the Wall Street industry and b big businesses and like traditional investors. One, hindsight is twenty twenty. You always kick yourself for like, so if I would have invested in GameStop a week ago, what you're telling me is that I could have had a 10x increase on the money. And you'll drive yourself crazy if you think about that all the time. Mm. But I've been doing it anyways. And so it's just this <laughs> wild, you know, <laughs> current yes. landscape of stocks investing in this weird Reddit thing with GameStop and AMC Theater. So I don't even know what to think, William. Well, actually, that's suddenly when you put it in that way, that makes me think about it. I, I was just starting to think I feel sorry for GameStop, the company itself, because, you know, there's the owner eating a sandwich, saying, what is going on? <laughs> And it's almost like it's nothing to do with them. Just as really the stock market reactions to Apple seem to have no connection to what they're actually doing. So I think didn't the stock actually take a slight dip after Apple announced this massive thing? It's just it did. And and I am not a financial investor and there are great resources for investing. I think one of our sponsors this week actually can help you with that. Right. But I, I don't I don't understand it. But anyway. Let's talk about other Apple stuff not having to do with money and investing because that's <laughs> just a sea of unknowns. So uh, also, iOS 14.4 came out this past week. You can update your iPhone, your iPad, and your HomePods, also Apple TV. We're still waiting for that macOS update, which I'll get to in a moment. But a couple of notable changes. The Find My app now has the Find My Items feature, which that was in the betas. And we uncovered like that URL scheme that you can look at the Find My Items for third-party items. But one of the cool features that has now come out publicly, and I'd love to know if you've tried this too, but if you update the HomePod Mini to 14.4, it now uses the ultra-wideband chip that you want chip in the HomePod Mini for a better handoff experience from your iPhone to the HomePod Mini. And so I updated it day one and tried it out, and it does happen a lot more consistently and faster. And it's kind of nice when you hold your iPhone up to the HomePod Mini now, this little card pops up, and it tells you what's playing either on your iPhone if it's playing from there or it'll tell you what's playing on the HomePod mini currently. And then you have a button at the top where you can choose to transfer it to your iPhone or transfer it to the HomePod mini and back again. And it's pretty seamless. It is definitely more consistent. And some listeners have also said that handoff on the big HomePod, even though it doesn't have the ultra wideband chip, has also been improved with the 14.4. Have you got a chance to try that with your, your HomePod mini? Actually, no, I'm still on 14.3. Uh, you've persuaded me that I need to get this because I've actually been more than happy with handoff as it was so far. I've really liked it. So I've been curious, you know, you hear it's going to be better. What could they improve? Well, now it's, it does sound substantially better. So hang on a minute while I just upgrade uh, in front of you live. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Software update in the middle of a podcast. That's usually the best time to do it. Absolutely. And one of the other things that came out with the software updates, you actually didn't need the 14.4 update. It would appear on your Apple Watch if not. But since William and I are both Fitness Plus experts, <laughs> uh, really, you know, all in on the Fitness Plus universe, uh, that was sarcasm for those across the pond. Uh, right. The Fitness Plus walking <laughs> has now been released. So Apple released this thing where you can listen to inspirational stories from different entrepreneurs and celebrities, leaders, athletes, things like that. And it's with Fitness Plus where you can go for a walk and it'll start like a walking workout. And w during the workout, you can listen to this 
basically kind of a talk given by some of these people. And so it's another form of entertainment, another way to pass the time as you're walking or just want to have a nice experience listening to something. There's also something called podcast you can also listen to while you walk. But, you know, Apple wanted to do this uh, different thing. And so I haven't got a chance to try it yet. Uh, You know, William and I are are too busy doing high-intensity workouts every day. But listeners, if you have uh, tried this, did the walking thing where you get to listen to them, I'd love to hear about your experience, if you like it or if you're just sticking a podcast. There is actually one thing I can add to this. Uh, Of course, everything you've just said is true, obviously. But I think I didn't appreciate it until I started it, is that this slightly more. Once they've finished speaking, they introduce this uh, little playlist of songs that they have picked for you, all obviously from Apple Music. But it's like, you Mm. don't have to stop walking when they shut up you can keep going and I thought that was a nice touch <laughs> that, that is true I was wondering if the if the uh, speaking stops and, you ha- and you're not home yet yes. what do you do you know, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you just sit there and start another workout just to get home no just kidding oh but that's but that's that's nice though it just plays music for you that so that the speaker that you were just listening to it's kind of their choice in music they yes. made the playlist yes apparently so for all of them yeah. Very cool. I don't want to. I don't want to put you on the spot on on air, William. But uh, how many times have you done Fitness Plus in the last week? Sorry, you're breaking up there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll, I'll plead. I'll plead the fifth as well. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Molecule. That's Molecule with a K. And I have to say, if you are looking for an air purifier, Molecule is the way to go. Believe it or not, we actually had the CEO of Molecule on the HomeKit Insider podcast. I'll put a link in show notes to that episode, but you have got to check it out. It was incredible to learn about the research and development that Molecule has done to make the best air purifier. They use a technology called PICO, or photoelectrochemical oxidation. And all you need to know about it is it destroys harmful pollutants in the air. It doesn't just catch them in a filter or do something else with them. It destroys them like viruses, bacteria, mold, instead of collecting them on filters. Molecule air purifiers are designed to help protect homes, businesses, and medical spaces so you know they're destroying pollutants and providing clean air. You can get a Molecule air purifier that's usable in as small as 250 square feet Or you can get the Pro that's up to 1,000 square feet. So whatever room size you have, you can get a Molecule air purifier that fits your needs. Why should you even be thinking about getting an air purifier? Well, 80% of people living in urban areas that monitor air pollution are exposed to air quality below World Health Organization standards. And with the pandemic going on and stay-at-home orders, you're there at home breathing your air more than ever before. You might even not be getting out as much. So having clean air and an air purifier that destroys all those pollutants is incredibly important. And not only that, Molecule's Pico technology meets the performance requirements and FDA guidance to help reduce risk of exposure to SARS-CoV-2, the COVID-19 virus. So you would have extra protection even against that. Molecule's technology has been tested and verified by third-party laboratories. In fact, the Pico technology they use destroys pollutants a thousand times smaller than what HEPA standard tests for. So they're killing things even smaller that HEPA filters aren't even being rated for. And as you know, some air purifiers aren't like visually appealing or have good design, but the Molecule air purifier looks amazing. You can even get them with HomeKit built in so you can control it in your home app. And again, they just look beautiful wherever you would put them. They're made of premium materials, all while using revolutionary technology, purifying the air in your home. So head on over to Molecule.com, that's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and when you choose your air purifier at checkout, use the promo code APPLEINSIDER, all one word, and you can get 10% off your first air purifier order. Again, with the design, the home kit, the Pico technology, this is the air purifier to get. So visit Molecule.com, that's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and use the promo code Apple Insider at checkout. Our thanks for Molecule for sponsoring this episode. So the next thing I wanted to talk about, I actually had the opportunity to make another how-to video on the Apple Insider YouTube page. And I had asked the listeners last week, I believe it was, for recommendations on storage devices for using with video production and just having, you know, a big hard drive to edit from and store footage. I did end up going with the Thunderbolt 3 G drive. I got the six terabytes for now thinking, you know, maybe I'll get something different in the future. But the G drive, it's working great. I have a Thunderbolt hooked up to my vertical bridge dock, and I've been using that to work off in Final Cut, and it's pretty fast. One of the things I did realize, well, one, 
go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Apple Insider, and you can see the video there. It's how to create QR codes for free on your iPhone using the Shortcuts app and also how to scan QR codes. And if you didn't know, you can do that just in the camera app on your phone. In the how to create a QR code segment, I go through Siri shortcuts and you can do all the commands there. And then you don't have to go through some third-party service or a URL shortening thing. Some services make you have to pay for a certain number of traffic to a QR code. And so in the video, I explain how you can just make it on your iPhone and shortcuts. So that's fun. One of the challenges I'm realizing, you know, Andrew's been doing the videos for such a long time and me trying to get into it and, and recording the iPhone screen, I, I realized my phone went into dark mode because it automatically does that at a certain time. I have it set, I think, for like 5 or 6 p.m. It goes into dark mode for the evening. And I didn't realize that when trying to film an iPhone screen, being mostly black you see all the reflections. And I noticed after I filmed it and as I was editing it, I was like, I can kind of see myself in the iPhone screen and it is probably distracting. And so I realized, okay, when I film a screen, don't go, don't put it into dark mode, you know, leave it in light mode because when it's the brighter screen, you don't see those reflections as much. So learning as I go and filming these things and creating these different videos, but it was a fun experience. So, you know, hopefully that's valuable to some of you. And if you have some things that you would like how to videos of, or how to use Siri shortcuts, I'd love to hear from you. Tweet at me at Steven Robles and be making more of those how to videos. One of the questions on YouTube was how do I make a QR code that lets you connect to a Wi-Fi network. And if you get a chance to go out somewhere or if you've seen it in the past, like at restaurants or co-working spaces, a lot of times they'll have like a QR code somewhere in the restaurant or business. It's either like in a frame or on a desk and it says, you know, scan this QR code to connect to our Wi-Fi network. And so you don't even have to put in the password or go to your Wi-Fi settings. You just scan the QR code and it'll connect you to the Wi-Fi. And I always wanted to know how to make those. I had no idea. So I did a little research and one of the YouTube questions was, how do I do that? Make a QR code that connects someone to a Wi-Fi network and figured it out, made the shortcut. And so if you're listening now and you would love to be able to do that, create a QR code where when someone scans it, they connect to a Wi-Fi network automatically. I will put the shortcut link in the show notes. I'll put it right at the top and you can tap the shortcut add it to your own iPhone so you can use the shortcut in the future. And the shortcut that I built, it gives you the option to either type in a network name or you can tell the shortcut, use the network I'm currently connected to. So if you're at your workplace or at the business, you could say, use my current Wi-Fi network and it'll automatically pull the name for you. And then all you have to do is type in the password for the network and it will spit out a QR code. And you can print out that QR code or put it on a screen somewhere, and then people can scan it and automatically connect to the Wi-Fi network that you want. And it's a really cool feature. You can do it totally for free using Siri shortcuts. You don't need any kind of third-party service. And so I'll put the link to that shortcut in the show notes for this episode. So you should check that out. Oh, I'm definitely going to do that. I, I love shortcuts. And I've, I've wondered that exact same thing. I've also wondered, I've heard about people who put an NFC uh, tag on, I don't know, by the front door so that when guests come in, they just kind of pass the phone by it and it does these things. But uh, nobody comes to visit me anymore. So that's really not me. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, I get that. And that's a good question. You know, I think it is a scripting like syntax to use for the Wi-Fi thing. So if you look at the shortcut that I put in show notes, you can see kind of how it's scripted. And I imagine you can make an NFC tag open that as a link and it would add the Wi-Fi network. But I'll do a little more research on that because that, that's an interesting question. I do like the the NFC thing tag. And I talked about this on the HomeKit Insider podcast on Monday, and I'll mention it here too. I actually found this product. I think it was on Instagram. I saw it. But it's called the Link Service, L-I-N-Q, Link. And it's like this digital business card service where you can get a physical card, but it has an NFC chip in it. And you can have people hold their phone to the card and the NFC chip basically loads like your contact info uh, for them, brings them to a link where they can download your contact card and all that. Pretty cool service. And they also just released a watch band for Apple Watch. Mm. So you can get a link Apple Watch band that has an NFC chip in it. And you can have people scan it and get your business info. So it's kind of a cool digital business card right on your wrist. If you want to give your contact info to somebody, you can just say, hey, hold your phone up to my watch band and you'll get my contact info automatically. So fun to do that. But what I also found out you could do is in Siri shortcuts, 
If you didn't know this, one of the automation triggers in shortcuts is scanning an NFC tag. And you can buy NFC tags on Amazon. They come as like little stickers and you can do all that. But you can actually use the Link Apple Watch watch band. The NFC chip in it, you can use that as a trigger for an automation in Siri shortcuts. And so I got it because I just had to try it. And you can use the watch band as a trigger. So if you have your iPhone in one hand and you have a shortcut set up with an NFC automation trigger. You just hold your phone to your watch band and it runs that shortcut automatically and immediately. So really gimmicky. It, I mean, it's a super nerdy thing to do. You know, not, not a ton of use cases, but I thought it was pretty fun. So I'll put a link to that in show notes as well. It's link with an L-I-N-Q. I realized, by the way, I don't think I've ever seen an NFC tag in real life. I don't know what they look like. And the fact that they're sometimes called stickers and things makes you think, are they as like a sticker or are they actually a bit more thick and air tag sized kind of thing? No, it is really just like a little circle sticker. Yeah. Uh, you can order like 10 and 12 packs on Amazon. And I will I'll also put a link in show notes to the NFC tags that I bought. But I bought them on Amazon and they came in like a bag. It's like a whole bag of them. It's just like a ton of them. Yeah, I got a 10 pack and it's literally just like a little round sticker. I will put it in show notes uh, now if you want to take a look at them. But little round stickers and you can put them anywhere. I have one of these in my car and I have an automation in Siri shortcuts where when I scan this NFC tag, it resumes playing the podcast I was listening to in Pocket Cast. So I get in my car, I just hold my phone to the NFC tag, runs that shortcut. I actually have a couple around my house for some home automations. If I forget what I need to say in order to invoke a certain scene or something like that, I can just hold my phone to a little NFC sticker. I have one kind of next to my bed on a nightstand and it activates the Siri shortcut. So it's actually really convenient. If you didn't know, the NFC scanning capability for your phone is actually in the top part of your iPhone. If you have a recent iPhone, it's like the top edge, if you would. And so if you are trying to scan an NFC sticker and you're not sure like where to put your phone or whatever, just point the very top edge of your iPhone right at the sticker or whatever NFC thing. And that's how you would scan it right there on the phone. Okay, I'm slightly torn about this because they sound more useful than I thought, but also thank you, I've now looked at what they look like and uh, I can't ever use them because I'm this might this is going to be a pretty small use case here, but I'm papyrophobic. I have like an OCD thing to do with small pieces of paper. So A4 is fine, US legal, let's be fine. But if you tear them or if you give me a small piece, uh, I, I'm I'm actually shaking describing it to you now. And these uh, just the photograph brought it up to me. So um, I'll, I'll just wait for air tags. That's what I'll do. Yeah. Really, William, I had yeah. no idea. Well, yeah. sorry if I triggered you with that uh, Amazon link. <laughs> it's good to finally know. So. Goodness. Well, I will then also put in show notes. They have others that are less paper-like, oh, I think. This one I just found looks like looks like a donut, like a small plastic donut. Okay. Oh. And you can, you know, you stick it on something. And so a little more robust. The stickers are, you know, it's just like a white round circle. So they're not exactly visually appealing. Hmm. Uh, these ones that I'll also include, 15 bucks, you get 20 of them. And they're like metal, like little metal discs, I guess. They're they're not super big, but it's also not a piece of paper. So it might uh, allow you to use them. Thanks. I'll look into that. I can't remember who was saying it, that they leave, they work in different places and they do something like they have, and they use stickers, they have one on the desk that they have to go to at each client and they just swap the phone over it and it changes whatever network settings or something for something. It all sounded very oh. impressive and I was highly tempted and then I wasn't and now I am again. So <laughs> roller coaster today. Thank you. There you go. And it is, if you get into serious shortcuts, you know, of all the different kind of automations you can do, you can do it where you connect to a Wi-Fi network or when you leave or arrive from home. While I love automations, I kind of like to know when I'm triggering it specifically. Hmm. And doing an NFC triggering, it's really like, you know, it's not going to happen by accident. I'm not going to invoke the wrong verbal phrase. It's not going to go off because it doesn't know where I am location-wise. I know if I stick my phone to this thing, it'll activate the shortcut. And if I don't do it, it won't. So I really like the NFC style triggering of shortcuts and automations. So I'll put those links. You can check those out, listeners. Let me know if you set up an automation with them. This episode is brought to you by Smart Asset. No matter what stage of life you're in, thinking about your financial future can evoke some pretty strong feelings. But did you know that people who work with a financial advisor feel more at ease about their finances and end up with 15% more money to spend in retirement on average? 
Now, thanks to Smart Asset, the service that over half a million people have trusted to help find an advisor, there's a free and easy path to help you find greater financial peace of mind. Smart Asset has built a safe, easy, and convenient tool to find vetted financial advisors in your area. I'll have to say with a lot of the news recently about Robinhood and the different things going on with Reddit and the financial situation, I am much more comfortable depending on a financial advisor who specializes in these things to handle my investments and Smart Asset is the way to do it. I've taken the Smart Asset online quiz and they really ask you about all your goals and retirement and the things that you prioritize, whether that's leisure or travel, what kind of investments. And it's a great tool where you can really tell them what you are wanting to do with your money and they can help find someone to advise you in just the right way. Within minutes, Smart Asset will match you with three pre-screened fiduciaries, each legally obligated to act in your best interest and each willing to do a no-commitment financial consultation. They'll also send you a free personalized retirement planning guide with actionable advice so you can feel confident in your next steps. So take control of your financial future today with Smart Asset. To receive your free personalized retirement planning report, go to smartasset.com slash Apple Insider, and your report will provide personalized insights on your retirement readiness. So visit smartasset.com slash Apple Insider today. Our thanks to Smart Asset for sponsoring this episode. Now comes the part where I sent William a link before the show started. I said, don't, don't visit it. Don't, don't do it yes. until we get to the show because I want you to experience it live. <laughs> and so I will put a link to this, obviously, in show notes too. And I got this from the uh, Accidental Tech Podcast guys, and they got it from somebody else. But this link is a website that w- is basically a test to see if the display that you're using to see this website is an HDR display. If the screen that you are using is not HDR, it will just look like a white blank page to you. But if you do have an HDR screen, you'll see something different. And so, William, you said you tried this on your computer first, right? Well, I I went to the web page. I'm actually at this moment trying to set my brightness to less than 100%, like it says, and I've done this. Um, I have a white screen with text of instructions on it. It's telling me to take a screenshot. Is that what you're going to tell me to do as well? Do you see the word white on screen? No. Right. So on the phone, go to the same link. Oh, good grief. Oh, yeah. I see it there. Okay. That's weird. <laughs> yes. And so what this website does is it's actually playing four extremely tiny HDR videos in the corners of the screen of the website. And it basically, if you have an HDR display and if you have a recent iPhone that is an HDR display, it kicks it into that HDR mode and you'll see the word white with a period in the middle of the screen. And that's basically letting you know if you can see that after you follow the instructions that the uh, screen you're using is an HDR one. And I thought that was really cool. And if you want to test because you're not sure if a screen is HDR or not, uh, it's a fun little website to try that with. And so I'll put the link uh, in show notes to that. I think I prefer the look of the screen on the Mac, though, because uh, the white word is so white, it's making the rest of the screen look gray compared to... But okay, right. I don't know what I was afraid you were getting me into there, but I'm, you know, I I trusted you and went on that journey. (laughs) You were scared of that uh, that link before. It is a weird link. It's like kidi.ng slash want to see a white or white. So yeah, it's a little strange of a link. I'll give you that. (laughs) Next, I wanted to touch on a new app I've been trying for note taking uh, and be curious what you use for your note taking majority of the time. I know you're an OmniFocus guy for tasks, but curious what you use for notes. But I've been hearing these whispers in the wind about Craft. Craft is a newish iOS app for note-taking. It is very much taking on Notion and how Notion functions and how you can have like embedded pages and embedded pages and every text block is a thing that you can stylize and you can do a bunch of things with. And and Notion is great. I use Notion uh, a lot actually up until recently and I was enjoying it. But this Craft app, I was curious how that would work. It is free to use, and then there's a lot of features that you you know pay. I think it's five dollars a month, or you can get a discount if you pay annually. But I've been trying out Craft for taking notes, and I have to say I I really enjoy it. If you want something that feels Apple-like on your Mac and on your iPhone and iPad, you know Notion feels okay, but it doesn't feel like a Apple app or a Mac app. And Craft just has that look. I really enjoy using it. It does support Markdown. 
And you can do a lot of cool things with like publishing a note and you can get a public link to a note if you want to share that to people just of you and your company or coworkers. Or if you're doing like a client estimate or presentation, you can like share a link to one of your craft notes. And it looks great. I like the visual appeal, I think, of how the craft notes look more than like Notion and other services. So I just wanted to point that out, craft. I'll put a link in show notes to it. It's Mac, iOS, iPad, all that. And I'm starting to do my notes in there. And so I'd be curious to know if you know listeners are using craft or if you're part of that Notion nation or if you're using Rome. I know there's a bunch of options out there, but curious to know what everybody's using. But William, what's your go-to note-taking app? Well, I'm slightly in transit, so I'm intrigued by craft. You said that it supports Markdown. Is it one that requires you to use Markdown? Do you know? No, it does not require it. And you get all the formatting tools in line and in a sidebar menu, like bold, italic, underline, bullet points, headers, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you you don't need to use Markdown. And it doesn't have as robust Markdown support as some other apps. So if you're really like a Markdown nerd and you really want to do everything in Markdown, the advanced Markdown stuff with tables, probably not for you. But if you like to have a little bit of a mixture or not have to use Markdown at all, Craft, it's really good. It has all that rich text features as well. And yeah, I encourage you to try it out. It's nice. I mean, I just, it's a side point, but I'm one of the few people I know who dislikes Markdown. I mean, great if you like it, fine if you like it. But uh, I am so often writing uh, articles where I will quote somebody saying, um, he will pay for this. And in the context, it's not possible to know who he is. So in order to <laughs> say who it is, but not alter the person's quote, you do open quote marks, square brackets, the vicar, close square brackets, will pay for it. And now you're, you're, right. you're clearly saying who it is. You're not misquoting somebody. But you try doing that square bracket in Markdown and suddenly it's trying to format everything. <laughs> and I just find it, I can't use that. And you can tell me now about escape characters, but the whole point of Markdown is supposed to save you learning anything. And now you want me to use escape characters? I'm fine with the old bit of HTML that I need. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I can't remember. There was one note taking up ages ago that I utterly loved at first, and then I found there was no possible way to stop it using Markdown, and then I had to give it up. And I went back to Evernote uh, then, but then Evernote has had, had a lot of problems. So uh, currently I'm using Apple Notes the most, but I've been looking to get back into DevonThink. Do you use that at all? Have you come across that? I have heard of DevonThink, and I know that's like a whole world, but I have not used it personally. Do you you like that system? I, I kind of do. I find it very big, very hard to get my head around. So I, I knew I reviewed it many years ago, and I used over a few months for the review but I think my problem was I was using it for notes over many many different projects and it was just you know bunging it all together and that was fine but if you have one project or just lots of very big ones like a book you're doing then storing the notes with it it starts making connections between the notes for you there's some kind of intelligent massaging of all your information uh, that I think is what makes people become really big fans of it and it never quite reached that for me but they're just about to release a new version of the iOS app and I am uh, I'm doing projects that are a bit more suited, so I'm, I'm tempted to go back. But now you're distracting me with craft, so, you know, what can you do? <laughs> well, I would, you know, if you're in transit, I I feel like I'm perpetually in transit with Note and yes. to-do apps because I always want to try the newest one. Mm. I want to know, is it any better? Do it, Will I like it more? And it does have collaboration features, but you do have to pay for those. And so, you know, depending on your needs with sharing notes, I really love the visual aesthetic and the design of craft. And I do share notes to PDF a lot to send on as like research for other people and how it looks just exporting a PDF of a note is important to me. Yeah. Notion does an okay job at that. Bear does an okay job at that. Ulysses does okay. But the craft ones that I have found is actually really nice. And I have this one craft note where I embedded six other notes. So I have like the first note, and then I have like several weeks of information, you know, organized by week, week one, week two, week three. And each week is a card in that major note. And what's cool is if you share that, the the big note as a URL, someone can go to that website and actually use the note almost as like a mini website. Like if they were to click wow. week one, all the text that I have in week one and the links and all that will come up as like a, a side window in on the website. And they can scroll through week one and read it and interact with it. And then they can click back to the main note and they'll see week one, two, three, four, five, six, and they can interact with that. 
So I loved that interactiveness of the craft note. And then I loved the way it looks like as a PDF when you export it. And when you export one of those notes that has more embedded notes, it'll use that first note as like a page one, almost like a title page. And then it will create more pages for every embedded note after it. So you end up with like a 20 page PDF, but it's all in order. I have like the first page and then the week one and all my notes for that and then week two. So it's really nice. I will actually make a craft note that shows you what it would look like as a website. And I will put that link in show notes as well. So you can kind of see the power of what it is. And I have no idea what I'll put in that note yet. I think I'll, I'll put uh, William and I's a fitness plus activity maybe as different uh, cards and you can enjoy it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna do that too. Uh, but <laughs> I'll create something. I'll put that link so you can see what a craft note looks like uh, publicly like that as a website. So anyway, yeah, William, you should try it. I would love to, if you try it, I'd love to know your thoughts on it later. I'll definitely try it. Uh, I mean, I've opened the website ready to hit that download button. I've realized the way you describe it, when you create a note, it's more often for sharing and it's more elaborate than a lot of my notes. When I do something that's more involved than just making a quick jotting for myself, I use Omni Outline because it's very good for organizing and sorting information and I suppose I occasionally share it with people but I'm nowhere near as much as you do so isn't it amazing that there are so many yeah oh yeah I mean there's note taking again is one of those things where so many people differ on how they like to create notes but but I do both you know it's it has an organization hierarchy in craft where you can have you know Apple Insider as one and you can have like home and personal as a second category and subcategories and so I do have some categories where it's just little notes you know five bullet points and maybe some text that I took notes in a meeting or whatever. And so it's good at both, you know, you, you can do it. But but when you do want to share something, I do, I do like what offers in that area. So anyway, upper links and show notes, you can check that out as well. Oh, actually, sorry, uh, just seen the latest version number. You can export directly from Craft uh, into OmniFocus. Okay, my my beloved to-do app. Oh, oh, boy. All right, now <laughs> Oh, we're wait talking. a minute. Yeah. This might be the one. I would love to hear about that workflow if you get that working. Craft okay. to uh, OmniFocus. <laughs> mm, there you go. All right, well, that's Craft. This episode is brought to you by Headspace. It's a new year. Maybe you're trying to start a new routine. I know for me personally, I'm trying to ease stress and not feel so overwhelmed. And so if you're one of the 34% of Americans who made a resolution to be less stressed, Headspace is here to help. Let me tell you, I've been using Headspace for actually a long time, way before they sponsored the show, and I have to highly recommend their service to anyone who is looking to ease anxiety or stress, maybe have trouble sleeping and you'd like help with that, Headspace is the way to go. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. If you're intimidated by that idea of meditation or mindfulness, Headspace makes it super easy to get started and walks you through it step-by-step. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. They actually like study this stuff. If you're feeling overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation. Just three minutes. You can do it quickly. Maybe you need some help falling asleep. Headspace has a wind-down session that members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I've been using Headspace for a long time, and when I actually commit and do a session in Headspace every day, especially in the mornings, it will help. You can really feel yourself more focused, more at ease, and even if you know you got a lot of stuff going on that day, or maybe there's something you're worried about happening later in the day, taking a few moments early in the day to do that meditation and have that moment of mindfulness, it makes such a difference. Even if you have something like a fear of flying, Headspace has things specifically for that. And that's something that I've used personally in the past and it has really helped me. I highly recommend. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime and anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash Apple Insider, just like it sounds, headspace.com slash Apple Insider for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal you can get on Headspace right now anywhere. So go to headspace.com slash Apple Insider today and try it for yourself for free. There's a link in show notes. You can go directly to it there. Our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode.
Now, you had wanted to know about my Belkin 3-in-1 charger because you have had uh, poor experiences in the past. So yeah. what, what was your question on that? Well, previously. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, for the longest time, respected Belkin. And the way you described that product, as you were talking, I went to the Apple Store in the UK and was very disappointed online that it wasn't available here yet. And I've actually checked back a few times. And it must have been a week later when I suddenly realized that Belkin made one of the worst products I've ever used. It was an uh, <laughs> iPad case with keyboard in it and uh, oh. you know, it was falling apart when I got it, bits were coming off. Uh, they did replace it and then the replacement didn't work and then they replaced that and that replacement didn't work. And it got to the stage where one of their mm. engineers was telling me I was wrong, that it was fine. And I'm pointing out, wow. I'm a professional writer here. I know that when you press the space bar, it should put a gap between words. <laughs> so, yeah, it got to that level of exchange. Uh, and so I kind of just wrote off wow. Belkin from that point. And yet this one looks great. So tell me, am I wrong? Is it the best thing ever? I will say, you know, I've had various Belkin products in the past and a lot of them are good. Some of them not so good. I will say after using the MagSafe Duo charger directly from Apple, which was fine, that's okay. The Belkin 3-in-1, like, I can see why Andrew gave it five stars. Like, this, I really love it. Oh. You know, it's it's my nighttime charger. I'm charging my AirPods on the little base. I'm charging my Apple Watch and my phone on it. And it is rock solid. You know, the base is, is weighted and it's nice, so it's, it doesn't move, really. Uh, when I put my phone or watch on and take it off, I actually vastly prefer removing my phone from it as a charger than any other MagSafe puck. Because if you use just the puck, you, know, you kind of have to do this weird like scraping thing yes, where you kind of break the seal of the MagSafe puck to get it off your phone. That's not a great experience. With the MagSafe Duo, it's kind of a similar experience where you kind of have to put a couple fingers on the MagSafe Duo charging dock and lift your phone or slide your phone sideways so it breaks that magnetic thing. And with the Belkin 3-in-1, because your iPhone 12 is just floating there, I can just reach over and pull it right off and it's like no resistance. Like I never struggle to get it off. I don't have to try and hold it down while I pull the phone off. It really is like just enjoyable to use as a charger because it's so easy to put on and off. Like I don't worry about the phone falling off. The magnet is plenty strong enough where you put it on there and it, it stays on there and it's solid. I will say, if you have a case on your iPhone, you do have to be sure that you're using a MagSafe case because I do have a leather case from another company that's not MagSafe and the magnet is not strong enough to hold the iPhone on that Belkin 3-in-1 floating when the case is not MagSafe. You know, the phone itself is fine. And if you're using one of Apple's MagSafe cases, or I think Nomad might have a MagSafe case now, then it, the magnet's strong enough. But you cannot use a non-MagSafe case on that Belkin 3-in-1. It won't stay on. So that's been my experience, but I really love it. You know, if you're looking for it, I think you should, if, you're, if it's available soon, you should definitely jump on it. Actually, I think I asked you this last time. I can't remember. The, the Apple Watch part of it, um, does it come with its own Apple Watch charger, or do you have to thread your existing one through no that's the other nice thing it is it's on there nice. like it's on the stand you don't thread anything through it it is just its own puck and it's solid too doesn't move and the charging thing i think no it's actually a custom charging cable that comes with it like it's not a USB-C thing so you do have to you know use the power thing that comes with the belkin three in one it's not like you just plug another USB-C into it but I actually find it charges relatively fast. I actually was having to go somewhere and I just had about 20 minutes and my devices were pretty low, phone and watch. I think it was the Wednesday when all the iOS updates came out. Yes. So I threw both my phone and watch on the Belkin 3-in-1 and it actually charged it a significant amount in that 20 minutes, both of those devices. And I didn't have to worry about my battery the rest of the evening. So, you know, it charges plenty fast, at least for me. You don't have to thread your Apple Watch charger through it. The phone stays on there great and it's easy to take off and the whole thing itself is weighted well. So I, I highly recommend if you're in that MagSafe and you want a cool MagSafe charger, it's the one to get. I really like it. Oh, I think I'm sold. Is it available yet or is it is it still not? No, just while you're talking, I rechecked Apple, I rechecked Belkin, Belkin's own site and not available in the UK as yet. I'm doubtless it will come, but... 
it. At the moment, I, I used to have this kind of flat charging thing that was okay, but if you misaligned things, it had kind of warning lights on that were really bright, and you, somehow it would come in the middle of the night. And I liked it, but uh, I prefer the MagSafe thing. So now I have a MagSafe puck for my watch, uh, for my phone by the bed. The watch is on the old charger I used to use before I got the flat surface, and I have to remember to put the AirPods on a key charger that I've left on my desk. And so the idea of just bloom at the end of the night, putting it all on one and taking it all off. Very appealing. Yeah, it is It is nice. So I highly recommend. One thing I wanted to mention, you know, everyone's been bragging so much about the M1 computers and the M1 chip. And I had not heard my fans turn on on my MacBook Pro since I've got it. Been great to use. Battery life is great. Never gets warm. And I was working the other day and I actually had my AirPods in and I wasn't sure what I was hearing until I took them out and I heard the fan on my M1 MacBook Pro. And it was... And not as loud as the fans you would, I heard on like my 16-inch Intel one, but they were definitely churning. And I was like, man, what is going on? I wasn't even editing video or anything. And I was like, what is making when the fan spin up? And so I pulled up Activity Monitor and lo and behold, of all apps, Messages was using like 700% CPU power hey? on my M1 MacBook Pro. And How can you use 700%? <laughs> William, I feel like a crazy person. I've been I've been beating this drum for a little while. I tweet about it every once in a while. I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but for some reason, messages has still been hopelessly broken on my M1. It, it doesn't respond. I have to quit the app and open it up. And even then, sometimes I just can't send a message. I'll type a bunch and then have to wait 10 seconds. And then the text just appears fast. Like messages have been totally broken. I'm hoping that macOS 11.2 comes out very soon and there's a fix for it. But now I have a screenshot. I'm going to make it the chapter art so you all can see me and believe what I'm saying. But for some reason, messages was killing my CPU and the fan was spinning. It killed the battery, which, you know, on the M1, batteries are great. So I force quit messages and a couple seconds later, the fan turned off and, you know, everything was hunky-dory again. But for whatever reason, I've not heard from other people, but messages is like really broken on my M1 MacBook Pro and I have no idea why. So that, that, was, the, that was the culprit, William. How can anything use more than 100% of the CPU, let alone 700 Where's it getting the other 600% from to use? I I don't know. I guess it was asking for extra credit and it got more than 100. I don't know. I have no idea. But it was, I heard the fan and it it was the first time ever. So, you know, listeners, if you have an M1 something and you've noticed weird things with messages, help me feel not like a crazy person because I have not heard anyone else complain about this and know other people that have the M1s and they love it. I've not heard any messages complaints, but for some reason, messages on the M1, it's, it's an issue for me. I don't know. You know, I, I am concerned for your health and well-being in this. And if it would be of any use to you for me to take away <laughs> that M1, mm. Mac, I, 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 w- I would go that far for you. I would. You would sacrifice. Would. Yes. You would. You would do it for me. Well, well I appreciate it. I know you're, you're willing to take my iPad and my MacBook, and that means a lot to me. You can throw in that Belkin charger, yeah, just to make it, yeah, just <laughs> make the post worth it. Yeah, the cost of delivery. Yeah, yeah, of course. They got to ship, got to ship it a long way, so I might as well. Yeah, uh, we'll see. This gaslighting is going a long time. We'll see. Eventually, <laughs> I don't know. I might, I might just compulsively do it. and have no idea what happened. Why am I driving away from the post office? I will feel I so guilty, why. and yet I'll be okay with that. So. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'll be heartbroken for a moment. And then, uh, yeah, Tell me about play. it. Yes. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you too, because you are one of the few people I know who has access to CarPlay. I drive a car without CarPlay that came out before CarPlay existed. So I don't have access to this. But Andrew reviewed the IntelliDash Plus CarPlay device. This thing is a way to add CarPlay to whatever car you want without dealing with an install. It's like a standalone display that'll suction cup to your dashboard and it has CarPlay and you can connect your phone to it and you get CarPlay. Whatever car you want, no install, no dealing with anything and you can do it. And Andrew has a review on Apple Insider. I'll include that. But it is $250, I believe. You can get it on Amazon. But that's actually cheaper than a lot of the built-in Dash things like from Pioneer and other people that you would have to install. This one's just standalone. You could just put it in your car and have CarPlay and 
Oh, you're off to the races. So my question to you, William, because you've used CarPlay and you said your wife's car has it. Like, how has your experience been with that? Is it actually useful and enjoyable or what do you like about it? My own car predates the invention of steering wheels and things. So it definitely <laughs> wouldn't have any of this. Uh, Square but, wheels. Uh, yes, you know it. Um, I, plug, yeah. I plug in my iPhone and I, I, I do I look forward to it? Yeah, I think I do, actually. I like CarPlay more than I realised. I mean, compared to just hardwiring my iPhone into my car radio and being able to control it via Siri, that, the ability to... I love having the three panes up of the way you're going, what's playing, and whatever the third one is. Yeah, <laughs> I like CarPlay. Would I spend £250? A, well, I'm not sure, actually. I think if I was okay. in, in the market for a new car... It having CarPlay built in would be a contributory factor to it. It would be on the pro list for it. Would it be enough of a con not having it and going for this? And uh, how, how does this thing look? Does it sort of perch on your dashboard or something? Yeah. <laughs> it's a fairly large display and it would just kind of be like perched up there. And it's not wireless CarPlay. So you would have to physically connect it to your phone. And then you do have to connect it to your stereo system somehow. So the audio would actually go into your car. Right. So it's definitely not not an elegant solution, but if you really just want CarPlay and you don't want to install something, it's it is an option. I will say, is your the car you have? Is it wireless CarPlay or do you have to physically connect it? Uh, physically connect it, uh, which means we have a lightning cable in the car with an extremely frayed end. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's been in a, a few days, so that's understandable, really, how those go. Uh, but mm, <laughs> I've a, I remember a friend. I know he bought an adapter of some description. I don't know which one it was, but was so enthused about CarPlay that when I first tried it, I was a bit disappointed. And so I'm surprised talking to you how much I realise I, I look forward to getting in there and doing things. Magic, I also love mm. the sharing of uh, ETA, uh, which you can do just from your phone. But the ability to start randomly texting your friend to say you're five minutes delayed and all that is really handy, especially when they think it's you texting while you're driving and they text you back saying you shouldn't be texting while you're driving and you don't get any of this <laughs> stuff. And you get to the end and they're going, I've just texted you 15 times. Stop texting me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm revealing an awful lot this week. Uh, papyrophobia. Yeah, yeah, this is your, your driving yeah, habits. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, yeah, can't dig myself out of it. So how are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll probably skip on this. You know, what? whatever car I get in the days that we actually go places again, I would love for CarPlay to be in it. Hopefully it comes to more cars, but I've never been able to justify paying like four to $500 to install a CarPlay dash thing inside my Kia Soul. Right. That's what I drive, everyone. It's the hamster mobile, William. I know so little okay. about cars. Uh, I mean, I quite fancy a Tesla now I've been in one. But other than that, they just get me where I've got to go, that kind of thing. So I, I'm soulless when it comes to... I, I had to get a taxi the other day, uh, car problems, all sorts of things. And the text came up saying, your taxi is outside. It's a Toyota. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> I mean, unless it's Toyota written in big letters, I'm lost. Yeah, and that's the Tesla, that's really the only car that I actually desire you know, that I would want in the future. But yeah. notably, no CarPlay in Tesla cars. Maybe Elon Musk fix that one day. But uh, to round out the show, William, I just sent you a picture of the kind of car I drive. I, I just want to hear your reaction. Oh, right. To That's actually remarkably similar to Andrew's uh, Kia um I want to say Piezo, but I'm not sure if that's a real name or a chemical symbol or something. But it's uh, <laughs> remarkably similar to that. So I, oh, okay. I know okay. that your MacBook and iPad would fit very neatly into Angela's mm. car. For it. Got it. Got it. Very good. Well, listeners, uh, maybe I'll do a Twitter poll and how many are, would vote that I should send William all my <laughs> Apple things. Just, just send them all. And I'll replace them all myself. But listeners, we, I'd love to hear from you. You can tweet at William and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. You can also email me. That's in the show notes as well. Check out that shortcut, that craft doc, links to everything that we talked about, the NFC tags. That can all be in show notes and in the article. And there's been a couple of you leaving five-star ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts. And we greatly appreciate that. If you have not done it, we would love for you to do that. Give us a five-star rating and review over there. Don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider. comes out every Monday talking about HomeKit and smart home devices and Apple Insider Daily. Every day you can get the latest Apple headlines in just three or four minutes on that podcast. And so subscribe to that as well. Links and show notes to everything. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time.